Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by me, Fraser McGrewer, for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision-making. I'm here with Peter Coghill, Chris Ragg and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights, and this week we're discussing polarisation. Chris, kick us off with there's a, an interesting recent event that's happened. Go for it. Uh, yeah, so this is the um, election of uh, Bolsonaro as the um, Brazilian president, uh, and he has um, he's eff- effectively a very divisive figure. He's uh, historically expressed um, some uh, sort of misogynistic, racist, homophobic, uh, and um, extreme uh, anti-environmentalist. Yes, yes, anti-environmentalist, and and quite extreme right-wing uh, sort of views. Um, and uh, it feels like, or, or certainly the the prism this has been presented through in the media is, you know, another um, sort of right wing demagogue has been elected, uh, and there's this um, sense that you know it's representative of an increasing polarization within our global political society that you have, you know. Uh, um, more and more people coming to power on either the far right or you know political movements on the on the far left and not so much you know cent- centralism seems to have been lost so i guess the discussion is 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 that true and is it important and why nick yeah i i think um i think it is true and i think there are several things you can look at um First of all, uh, looking at US, uh, the US, there's quite a lot of research by Pew Research looking at um, uh, people's political opinions. And more people are now becoming consistently left or right, i.e. holding conformist baskets of opinions. So people are pooling uh, in uh, either side of the political spectrum. Sorry, before you go on, can we just talk a little bit more about some of the other potential examples? Well, yes. And I think I think because it, it's Chris has mentioned politics, but I think it's I think there's a wider societal issue as well, which we want to look at, you know, social um, uh, polarization of, of views. Uh, Brexit, I think in the reason I mean, this was an issue before Bolsonaro, because people have been talking about, you know, Brexit and Trump. Yeah. And why, you know, why, why it is that it's, you know, kind of a whole basket of sort of political opinions, which at one point were, um, you know, were considered, I think most, most people like us, metropolitan elites, uh, sat about thinking that's done and dusted. Mm. We don't need to worry about people who think like that anymore, because they're consigned to the to the dustbin of history and of course uh that's not true and um and now you know the question is what what uh, you know what is driving this is it is it you know how do we think about um you know is it a problem and what do we want to do about it but anyway just if we stick to documentary evidence to start with there is so there's there's as i said people's views in the u.s are becoming more polarized people are becoming more consistent but it's consistently left or consistently right on you know whatever spectrum you choose to use um the percentage of people expressing very unfavorable views of the opposite party in the u.s has risen from about 25 percent in 1994 to about 50 percent now and that isn't because few, only extremists are still in the party because party registration has stayed about the same over that period. Um, there's some evidence that people are associating less with people out of different parties in the US. Um, 
when you measure polarization within the legislature in the US using a measure called DW nominate, um, which look clusters representatives by how they vote, that the distance has been growing between the two parties. They're becoming more heavily clustered and, and further apart. Um, looking at the UK, got a chap called Jonathan Wheatley at Oxford Brooks has done some interesting work measuring voters' opinions and how far apart they are. And the gap seems to widen quite significantly in the last two or three years. And then, of course, you look at, you know, the, the sort of rise of these new right wing parties. So, you know, which have become suddenly a wave of success, really, in Italy, you've got the Five Star League, the Alternative for Germany, which is a totally new party, uh, the Freedom Party in Austria, the Sweden Democrats, you've got Viktor Orban in Hungary. And and then at the same time, you have these sort of new left wing parties, almost sort of socialist communist type parties like Syriza and Podemos in, in Spain. Uh, and, and a, a, you know, what's rightly regarded as a collapse of uh, the centre left in Europe, which has traditionally been where the where Europeans have been in the centre left. And I can't be the only Englishman who starts to worry when Europeans stop being centrists, because often that is dark clouds yeah. on the horizon. Yeah, that way lies trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so that looks fairly conclusive in terms of ha- has polarisation occurred? Looks like yes. I think the, one of the questions, so Chris said, um, why is that was one of the questions. I can't remember what the next one was, but let's go on to that. Uh, yes, yeah, so I, 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 I can't posit a, 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 the fundamental reason why this is happening, but off-sited uh, things are uh, the plethora of online content um where you, you used to get four channels or maybe three channels and a couple of radio stations. So there wasn't much choice, and it certainly wasn't on demand. So you got exposed to a lot of varied and uh, a broad spectrum of different content across uh, the spectrum. And social media as a uh, that facilitates echo chambers that you never had before. So it's very easy to close yourself off from challenge and concentrate only on those arguments and narratives that you, that you already believe in. But I don't think these are the causes... These are catalysts which have caused it to maybe accelerate or to uh, allow it to happen. I think there, there's something more fundamental happening which is causing people to sort of move away from the centre. I think, I mean, just to, I mean, you were going to come some there, Chris. I mean, I think you're right. I think there are still some real, I, I, I suspect there are some actual um, real life causes of this. And there, what, are, there are a whole bunch of things that yeah, might be going on. I mean, what about? I mean, the first thing that springs, springs mind is is a growth of income inequality. I'm guessing, in in uh, yeah. But anyway, Chris. Yeah. Well, I mean, polarization is a, is a well studied phenomenon, and we know that um, groups, you know, when they interact with one another, uh, tend to. Um, push uh sort of opinions towards towards the extremes so there are you know there are all sorts of um psychological you know theories relating to sort of um social comparison theory uh and the fact that um you know if 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 you recall the monty python sketch the the four yorkshiremen where Mm. they effectively outcompete one another for the for the most you know extreme Hard done by, hard done by yeah. childhood, yeah. Uh, and 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 that is you know that is a well observed uh, phenomenon. When when um, you know they've studied juries um, issuing uh, or, or having to allocate damages, um, they've found that uh, actually the the damages that they end up awarding are either more lenient or more punitive than any of the individual assessments prior to to group group discussion so you know this is a, this is a well understood social dynamic that um people kind of 
um, you know, in their interactions, they keep pitching themselves further and further to the left or the right of wherever they think the middle is in order to, to curry favour or, or, you know, win approval within, within yeah, the group. Just, just so, that, so, that's, so that's well, underst- well understood. The question is, we know groups can have a tendency to polarise. The question is, why does it seem to be happening at this, at this moment in time? Right. And just bring you back just, to what just, Pete's... Just, uh, just to pick up that, one of those little points, there, I read a, I'll find it for the show notes, but a, a quite interesting article by a slightly conservative, le- right-leaning American journalist bemoaning the way that modern teaching is done. And so she was saying, suggesting that this is poss- possibly part of the problem. The way that history uh, and sociology is taught in schools and universities, that the, the, um, the repressed minority is kind of held up as like, the thing everyone wants to be because mm. it's it's always center of attention it's always sort of the the uh it's it sort of it's the most important thing because we should all be worrying about it yeah rather, in terms rather of than traditional history which is more about the interpower play between large actors and uh, the the logical the logic of things um by the way we'll bring it on to you in a second nick and going back to the social media point about it being a catalyst but from what you were saying with this sort of crowd mentality it's perhaps um, it compounds it rather than being a catalyst i don't know um but but what i want to get onto is that is yeah actual um events and stuff happening now well uh, well i think i think you know peter's touched on this issue of the uh, what's what's I think most people are thinking of as the culture war, what's called the culture war. And I think it does uh, it, it possibly slightly blown out of proportion. But I, I think, you know, certainly I've had enough sufficient personal experience with people who've been um, in some way directly affected. We're, you know, in, in the UK, we're thinking about Brexit uh, particularly. But in the US, you know, it's certainly more widely um, uh, the, the, the sort of but, but basically people are falling increasingly into one of two camps, one of which is you know that there's a sort of clash of values that says either that um you know uh social justice warriors and um the metropolitan elite are ruining the US by promoting relativism and identity politics or um alternatively you know if you're on that side that that the you know uh, sort of racism and bigotry is destroying America by increasing division those are two worldviews that people seem increasingly to be falling into. And I think that that is the that's that's sort of summarized as the culture war. And I can see it happening. You know, I, can, I think it's something that once you become conscious of, you sit, you kind of see it everywhere. You know, Peter's talked about teaching, but, um, you know, more widely, people think about, you know, mainstream media being broadly quite, quite liberal, center left. Um, and the alternative forms of media that you can find on YouTube and, you know, Fox, things like Fox News um, being considerably more right wing. Um, so, you know, kind of actually quite a lot of areas of life uh, we can see being being uh you know affected so what what kinds of tv programs people watch what sorts of films people watch um uh what sorts of music people listen to and what celebrities they follow you know that there is that this this does seem to be quite a big thing that doesn't map across traditional um party lines um and also maybe i mean this taps into other things we've talked about this i think it's a fascinating subject because for example you could argue that there's a generational shift where people can't I can't remember it being otherwise as well this, this is so, so, so i found a pair of really good quotes on the internet uh, these were assembled and compared by someone else i'm not taking credit for this comparison but uh in 1960, John Wayne, uh, you know, who was part of, let's say, the greatest generation, as they're known in the US, the, the generation that lived through the Second World War. Uh, I didn't vote for him, but he's my president and I hope he does a good job. 
election of Barack Obama in 2008, Rush Limbaugh said, I hope he fails. And, um, you know, that that's that 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 is i i think you know w- would we want it would was it wasn't it better the first way i mean you know so that that but that does rather suggest you're sort of cutting your nose off to spite your face but that it? there's so there's that that a lot of people are saying yeah it's it's um you know it's to do with that generation that the post-war consensus uh which has almost in some way comes out of the fact that that society was more divided before um is has been lost and 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 has disappeared and you know this this is a, a sort of clash of values of something quite fundamental it's not a clash about what economic policies we should have it seems to be a more fundamental clash of, of values and and so you know if you look at um so something like 50 percent of well it's 40 to 50 percent in both parties in the u.s think that the other party is a threat to the nation's well-being mm. you know this so this is a really serious indicator i mean when you see people viewing the other side as a threat that has often presaged disastrous outcomes okay so um we've looked into the reasons why well um, we haven't i mean there's a there's a there's load more, of yeah? stuff yeah i mean so we t- we haven't discussed the end of the cold war but that that was a touchstone issue about ideologies where you could say, you know, well, we've got a, an economic system. That's what we're talking about. You've got an economic system. The Russians have got one and ours is better. And the focus was on the economic system. You know, was it going to be centralized? Was it that, nobody worried about homophobia, you know, in the Cold War, really? You know, it, it was not a big deal. Now, it, now those sorts of issues, those social issues, those value issues are becoming a big deal. The rise of identity politics um, uh, is very significant, more so in the US, but probably likely to become more so here. More religious, racial and ethnic diversity. Um, also sorting, you know, people are more mobile, uh, people have more information, people are able to sort themselves uh, geographically, you know, metropolitan elites versus sort of, you know, traditionalist rural people. Um uh, the 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 uh, and in in the US you know political donors who are more motivated by ideology than they used to be um and uh, decline of journalistic responsibilities and this decline of the culture of sort of journalistic integrity um uh, you know if you look at who donates to political parties it's people on the left and right centrists don't give money to political parties so yeah. if you're a political party why would you why why would why you would want you to appeal them? to them yeah. yeah yeah okay um so so there's a whole bunch of causes and what i'm saying is i think it's pretty complicated and if we think there's one if anyone who thinks there's going to be a simple yeah. way of sorting this, this out is probably and, wrong. And, and i think there's a there's a growing call in some quarters uh and i think it's a it's a misconception that this this is being driven by that that social media algorithms are are driving this by pushing people towards content that reinforces their their behavior but i i don't think that's i don't think that's the case i mean there the, there's always been this sense of um confirmation bias and you know when they look at studies where people are presented with information that doesn't support their current view they are more likely to dismiss it as being you know less valuable information or less rigorous than stuff that supports their their view and i think all the social media algorithms are doing is really catering to that that demand of giving people more of what they want to see more of the kinds of evidence they want to see and less of the evidence that they would be dismissing uh, anyway and you see that playing out in this in this um uh, sort of a conflict between people who view the mainstream media as being biased and people who view sort of alt-right kind of online sources of media as being biased and totally dismiss those those bits of information 
I, I think where social media has played a role is effectively um, it's, you know, whereas before you might have uh, known a group of people and interacted with that group of people and that group of people might have been quite small. And so the extreme that you might be driving one another towards was going to be limited by that, you know, the size of that group of people. I think social media has made the box much bigger basically the group the group it's yeah it's made it's made the group of people and where the extreme of that group is is more extreme than it would be in a smaller group yeah and you're so you're less likely to face challenge yes yeah which which, which is why i was quite careful to describe it as a catalyst rather than as a cause because it's just accelerating and amplifying whatever it is the 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 psychological and sociological drivers that, uh, that are causing it rather than creating any new ones. Um, I just I just wanted to get that out there because there's so often in these kinds of debates on talk radio stations, there, there'll, be, there'll be some Facebook basher or Twitter, Twitter basher who's just blaming it all on the social media mm. because it looks like an easy target, but it really isn't. I think we would, if we had a different thing that wasn't called social media that allowed us to talk to more people, it would, it, it would catalyze the polarization in a similar fashion. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Um, look, so just going re- going back to what we were originally talking about, polarization doesn't exist. It looks like it does. Yes, um, we've looked into some of the reasons why. Um, but in terms of, I mean, presuming that polarization is not a good thing, let's assume that for a moment, and we don't want it to be like that. Uh, what can we do about it? What what can people do? Um, who wants to take that up? Well, I, th- I think there's a, a way into that question, which is um, what what th- what things cause polarization, right? You, you you know when you're when you're making a, a decision. So most of them are, are around attitudes, views, what you think should be done. You know, uh, at a certain level. Um, but if you're thinking about what you're going to do, for example, you know, with your um, taking out a mortgage you know should you go for fixed rate or variable rate or something that kind of decision doesn't create polarization you know it doesn't create um emotional animosity uh and you know obviously there's something about some types of uh debates around particular issues that does create division and i think understanding what what things are likely to be causes of division uh, is is going to be helpful in trying to you know um, triage those before they before they crop up. Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, I'm I'm a bit I'm a bit gloomy about all this because because I think the recommendations are hard to implement. You know, if you take, you know, we know we know what we need to do. We know that we need to stop regarding people who hold different opinions um, as either stupid or evil and give them some credence and and then discuss evidence. You know, that's what we know we need to do. But that's not, you know, it won't. That's not going to happen. And I and I feel like we, we've kind of all self-sorted into a giant Stanford prison experiment, you know, where we, we've sort of become, um, you know, really tribal. And no one really has an incentive to do what Chris is saying we ought to do because we enjoy it. it is, and I think, you know, I've, 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 I've sort of I think there's a, a you can think you can sort of see a, a point of view, which is, well, this is the natural state that humans have. We are just inherently tribal and and we. We had this brief respite after the Second World War, and now we're going back to you know. And, and I think you know again. this is this is slightly sort of um, fascistic of me, but uh, I think there's an argument that 
conflict creates a societal energy right and you know in groups and out groups exist for a reason to motivate those on the on the other side so i think there's an element where you get problems is where you know you might see in something like the us political system where that conflict cancels each other out rather you know the space race was great we'd never have achieved what we we did without that competition and without that them and us uh, uh sort of mentality but um where where it actually starts to cancel each other out and you just instead it becomes a stalemate and nothing happens that's where it's problematic so really what one of the solutions would be better channel channeling polarization into something productive as opposed to something um stultifying peter uh well i just yeah i mean this uh, i I agree that the conflict is a great motivator for striving and you often people often say oh well you know if it wasn't for the second world war we wouldn't have penicillin and we wouldn't have jet engines or computers and all that sort of thing um i just like to think that i still have hope a little bit of hope that we can mature as a species with this hyper connectivity that we've invented for ourselves and find a new way of better organizing our energies to cooperate more um, I, just, I, I know it's a bit far-fetched, a bit sci-fi, but I, I, I just think that the conflict was a driver in a sort of prehistoric human, mm. and now we are the information-enabled human, then maybe we can find a, a new way of doing it. Yeah, I mean, that's the, but the problem is, it's, it's like, well, we've got this new technology which was supposed to expose us to other ways of doing things and cause us to become more consensual. You know, we were supposed to be challenged more because we were. I mean, all that happens is that people um, have 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 segregated themselves more. It's like we've used this new technology, which, looking back, it seems very naive that we would expect human nature to adapt to the technology. Uh, and in fact, it's of course it's the other way around. We've found ways of of doing what we love, which is being tribal and hating people. Uh, and we've just co-opted this new technology yeah. to do we, that more effectively. It's, it's enabled us to uh, to build bigger walls and deeper trenches between our little Yeah, and I want to put it, because I sound very gloomy, but let's put this in perspective. I mean, you know, we're not, it's not... It's not 1930s Europe. Well, yet, you know, yeah. I'd have to say yet. But, um, but yeah, it's not... You know, it isn't. It, we're not. We're not looking at the 1930s. You know, where it wasn't just that. It was labor versus the capitalists. You know, and then before that, you had slavery. You know, uh, sort of slave stuff. I mean, there was a bloody civil war in the U.S. about it. You know, um, so you know those those uh, there were some serious issues. You know, there were civil wars happening um, less than a hundred years ago. Uh, that's that kind of polarization. Well, we're not. We're not talking about that. Um, you know, we're still at the level of, you know, what counts as workplace discrimination and stuff. But, okay. but you know, you'd have to be you'd have to be very uh, Panglossian, I think, not to be concerned about it, because this is how it starts. You know, um, look, we're actually the time flies and um, we're actually pretty close to be needing to wrap up. So who wants to bring this to sort of to, to bring start to? Well, who wants to start to bring us towards a conclusion? Well, um, I was I was going to I mean, we didn't really get get anywhere on what we do about it and there's the, the, the you know using technologies and so on and there's the, the germ of an idea which uh, um, I've seen sort of uh, there's a company called Sandtable who um, uh, do um, agent-based modeling and they uh, looked at the Brexit. Why is it called uh, Sandtable? Uh, because it's experimental I think. And What's a uh, Sandtable? It's sort of thing you can use to change. Uh, you you can kind of turn it into a little landscape and push model soldiers. Around okay, got it. it. Okay, yeah. 
so anyway, they, yes, so they do they do agent based modeling where they look at modeling populations and they build in um, sort of behavioral models into them. And they did some work looking at uh, sort of online discussion in Brexit and trying to trying to model what was was going on there. And, and uh, the model they used, which predicted um, the actual interactions. Uh, looked at basically if you have a debate with somebody who is close to your your viewpoint you tend to coalesce Um, if you have a debate with somebody who is a long way from your viewpoint you tend to repel and entrench your your views Uh, and so maybe there maybe technology could be used in some way to bring people who aren't just shouting past each other and and driving one another uh, into into their set positions, but starting looking at um, you know co- coalescing groups of people who are similar-ish who can move each other to to some sort of like a sort um, of debating speed dating thing that exactly, pairs you up with try, people who are close enough that can have a yes, meaningful conversation. Exactly. Or we can somehow drag everyone towards the center, and they all they'll all love each other. Again. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I I would love to see a new political party appear. Um, there are precedents, you know. Obviously, they, they, I mean, Emmanuel Macron, Macron's party was totally made up, wasn't it? And then, then won. Um, and I, and I think, you know, I, uh, I think there are a lot of people like us who see both sides in this date, debate, both extremes. If you like the kind of uh, identity politics SJW extreme on one side and the kind of alt right on the other, as um, as destructive and misguided. And actually, you know, the truth is probably somewhere in between and, and, and approaching this rationally is going to be better for everyone. And I think there are a lot of people out there. It's just centrism really doesn't sell. I mean, it, it you know, centrism gilds no, uh, you know, doorknobs. I mean, and, and I and there's a there was an interesting um, uh, survey on YouGov about, you know, what views are most unrepresented and and what you would want to see is, you know, well, I think, uh, you know, policies should be a bit of both. Things are about right. And actually those views, people saying things like, hmm, there's about enough benefits at the moment, uh, were way down. The the ones at the top are, you know, the justice system isn't harsh enough mm. and immigration restrictions should be tighter. So, mm. you know, if you're going to look for unrepresented views, uh, you might find that you'd end up with something more extreme than what we've got yeah. at the moment. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'd love to set up a sort of a, a, a extreme centralist rationalist party <laughs> that everything is, you know, everything is based on evidence and well thought out argument and is, yeah. is well nuanced. But I, I, I fear that then that would just appeal that would be seen as a liberal elite thing because you wouldn't you, people would say oh well these arguments are too complicated it must be for the only for the educated people i don't want anything to do with that well as in a lot of things i think the answer is a benevolent dictatorship right that's what we need a, a benevolent <laughs> liberal dictatorship well so you classical must hold, liberal classical you, liberal i'm happy with yeah so so you must have you know uh liberal opinions but anyone who disagrees with it gets shot right that's what we want <laughs> yeah um, nick I I think what just a, a good piece of advice, and it, it reminds me of you know when I was working in defence, and and I think I had this kind of um, very simple heuristic really, which is that if, you know if you're more than ninety percent sure or less than ten percent sure about something. Um, which you're writing about because we're interested in it, you're probably wrong. You're probably overconfident. And and I think if there are people out there listening who think you know um, SJWs, social justice warriors, are just obviously stupid and uh, uh, and are just obviously going to destroy society, moderate your opinion. If you think that people on the right are obviously evil, obviously a bunch of racist bigots, 
then moderate your view. I just think it's, you know, we all need to recognize if we are absolutely, if we think that our viewpoint is obviously right and the other side is either stupid or evil, then then we're part of the problem. So, you know, that's okay. just to throw that out there with some vain hope that it might make a difference. <laughs> I like that, but um, in the interest of having an entertaining podcast, um, we need to wrap up. But ahead of wrapping up, I want to talk about the people we dislike the most, okay? Um, so uh, which sort of social um, uh, group of people do we dislike the most? Um, I want to have a go at millennials. Because um, oh, like, no one else is doing that, right? <laughs> no, but... They don't get enough stick. Uh, yeah, but I work with lots of millennials. Yeah, Peter is technically a millennial. Did you know that? No, really? not, no. I thought we tested you and discovered you were a millennial. No, okay, no, no well, look, okay. No. What else can we talk about? You're right. No, I think you're on to something there. I think it would be good to examine our own kind of... It, so. Because because we're we're encouraging other people to do that. Okay, put it another way. The, the Who people are we most annoying... intolerant of? Yeah, the people I'm most intolerant of are the ones... The and I think this is where millennials come into it are those are those crowd followers. Okay, so for example, I remember when I did my documentary part time, when I did my part time documentary filmmaking course. As you can imagine, it was all quite lefty in there, and I found myself sort of defend one day defending the Daily Mail and its journalism, which I never thought I would be in that position. But I just got so fed up with this consensus of a you were driven to an extreme. Yeah, have you heard of the NPC meme? Sorry, the NPC meme. It's a new sort of, sort of vaguely right-wing meme on the internet. That an NPC is a non-player character in a computer game who kind of spouts dialogue, which is scripted, and says the same thing over and over again. Nice. And it seems to be quite effective this meme uh, because because uh, the sense that a lot of people have that the viewpoints espoused by particularly uh, people on the left are a bit uh, sort of learnt by rote rather than genuinely felt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so that's kind of my sort of gambit on that. I mean, anyone else? Am I on something here? Do you want to talk about this? Yeah, yeah. no, I think it's a good thing. Peter? Yeah. Let's, sorry, let's have Chris, then Peter. Uh, well, no, I was going to say my... The, the, the sort of... Um, the niche that I am most intolerant of within society is, is cat people. Um, <laughs> I, I just... I, I I try really hard not to judge them for their um, you know love of felines, but I, I can't I can't help it. So I just but but what I don't do is I don't go out there and, and hector them. I just keep myself to myself. Um, and on and weekends, go out and murder cats and mutilate them. That's right, and then put them in the bin. Yeah, head, headless. but what, what yeah. is it? Why don't you like feline lovers? Um, I, I, it's not even that I hate the cats particularly. I, I hate it's it's the um, sort of well, I, I think it's representative of um, a particular type of person. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe maybe I've sort of judged what kind of person they are. But but generally a sort of um, slightly irrational, um, emotional person who is able to invest in something that's not really that sentient. You, you've thought a lot about this stereotype. I yeah. Tell. I mean, I, I, I don't like pet ownership as a thing. I think it's a weird thing that we used to do when we were prehistoric humans, but we don't need to anymore because we used to keep cats to catch mice and dogs to keep wolves away. There aren't really either of those two things are a problem anymore. Hold on, it but, feels like we've got the beginning of a political party forming here. But um, yeah, go on, uh, Peter. But, so the people I hate aren't a sort of single ideology or group or thing you can point at. I mean, apart from the fact that I don't like flat earthers specifically and vegans specifically and all the kind of nutcase <laughs> groups of people, but um, they're more kind of they're, they're, it's more 
you'll find these people everywhere in any kind of social group or social party, but they're the people who are unwilling to challenge. Not the people who don't know how to challenge, the people who, have never been, who haven't been taught or worked out how to sort of look at evidence and reconsider their position. The people who know how to do that, but choose not to. That's me. What, who are not morally brave or, well, people, or lazy? The, the or, people who yeah, go along. Com- yeah. Cognitively lazy, I think. I'd put and it. I think it's like the, you oh, know, I'm yeah, oh, sorry. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say? There? Uh, yeah, because those are the people that sort of will, they, be, they, they behave like sheep or in fact sort of um, you know, spokespeople, ring leaders, but they're doing it for either for some sort of personal aim mm. or, they're, or they're just doing it out of, out of complete apathy. Okay. I, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, boy, are they the problem because, you know, uh, you look at the things like, um, you know, I mean, f- fascism is and, and you know, communism are enabled by these people. The, mm. the sort of terrors of, of you know, ag- extremist governments have been, it's people like Adolf Eichmann, you know, who Hannah Arendt wrote about, you know, Eichmann in Jerusalem, that he was just a boring, unimaginative sort of civil servant, essentially, um, you know, but who happened to be uh, organising the Holocaust. Um, did you know? And I and I and I, I share absolutely share Peter's. I, I they genuinely scare me. People like that. People who people who just sort of actually they'd rather have an easy time of it and not think about why they're doing what they're doing and they just go along with it. We need but, to take um, them outside, line them up against the wall, shoot them all. It's right? the only response. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I uh, but who would do it? You see, because we need a few of those people to Let's actually organise. Well, them. I was going to suggest we lobotomise them and send them into the mines. Good, this is all good. <laughs> good progressive stuff. I mean, I, I'd say I, I'm. Um, I, I think I've been all over the place politically. Uh, I, I feel like I've settled down as a hardcore centrist. But, um, uh, you know, so in a way, I, I think, I, you know, it's a bit like ex-smokers. Yeah. I actually, I, I find myself very intolerant of people on, um, you know, at the extremes uh, in general. Uh, and, and, you know, I think, uh, you know, I went to university. I was a sort of the usual North London left wing kind of relativist. And, um, you know, quickly, having thought about that, discovered it was pretty incoherent and not actually fit very authentic in terms of what I actually actually really believed and now when i see people espousing you know relative oh well you know it's um uh, the other cultures ways of doing things are just as good as ours and you know we, we should respect people's you know identity and that should be i think i, I just think it's it's intellectually uh, uh, uh it just is not intellectually robust and it irritates the hell out of me because i know that these are people expressing opinions that they haven't really thought about very hard and of course i i share an equal uh sort of um uh, contempt for people on on the right, and you know historically uh, the right are more dangerous. They're sca- they're a bit scared. Uh, that's very dodgy thing to say uh, because of you know actually communist communism caused more yeah. deaths. But but I mean in general you know um, the right right wingers are, are more, and you can see this in the profile of terrorist attacks in the US. Right wingers are, are more uh, likely. It's easier for people on the right to condone the use of violence. Let's say it's 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 less inconsistent with their core beliefs. So yeah. I, I um, okay. Yeah, I'm pleased uh, I managed to bring us yeah. round to a nice sort of to polarise us all to get us to our most extreme positions. Um, okay, we have to stop there. So, look, thank you very much indeed for listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. I'm Fraser McGrewer. We've been here with Nick Hare and Pet Haters, Chris Rag, and Peter Coghill of Aleph Insights. The party should be called Pet Hate. <laughs> um, thank you. Until next time. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.